We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everyone. So today our uh, reading center around prayer. And I want to read to you a quote from Tertullian to start up. Great name for your next baby, uh, Tertullian. So we have, Tertullian wants to talk about, I know you've wondered this, right? You hear about all these things in the Bible, and God answers amazing prayers. And why isn't it that way today? Right? Lord, I asked for the, you know, I-25 to be parted in my lane, you know, so I could be on time. And where are you, God? Don't you love me? I'm your priest. So Tertullian's talking about that, and he says this. He says, of old, prayer was able to rescue from fire and beasts and hunger even before it received its perfection from Christ. But now no longer does prayer bring an angel of comfort to the heart of a fiery furnace or close up the mouths of lions or transport to the hungry food from the fields. No longer does it remove all sense of pain by the grace it wins for others. Right? All these things we kind of wish it would do. I wish prayer would just fix my life. And I wish that when I prayed to God, it would remove all obstacles and take everything out of my way. But it gives the armor of patience to those who suffer, who feel pain or who are distressed. It strengthens the power of grace so that faith may know what it is gaining from the Lord and understand what it is suffering for the name of God. In the past, prayer was able to bring down punishment, rout armies, withhold the blessing of rain. Now, however, love this. Now, however, the prayer of the just turns aside the whole anger of God. It keeps vigil for its enemies. It pleads for persecutors. Prayer is the one thing that can conquer God. But Christ has willed that it should work no evil and has given it all power over good. Love that. Prayer is the one thing that can conquer God. I know you don't want to pray, right? Some of you kind of do. Prayer's hard, and today my, I just have one simple goal today. My one goal of this sermon today is just to get you to walk out of these doors today and say, Lord, I have to learn how to pray. I have to make it an integral part of my life. Not just something I know I should do, like, I don't know, get my taxes done earlier in the year or something. Something you know you should do, but you don't want to. Brothers and sisters, prayer is something that will transform your heart and your mind and your very life. And it'll fill you with peace that the world cannot give. So a couple stories. Prayer's just hard. And everybody kind of, none of us know how to do it. If you ever meet someone who says they're an expert in prayer, like, leave. Don't talk to that person. Almost certainly they're lying. Um, 
people who really are kind of experts in prayer, they tend to say that they're not, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not, actually. But we don't, we don't know how to pray. When I first was learning how to pray and trying to learn how to do it, it's so hard. I remember being a missionary, and I didn't know how to be silent yet. I hadn't gotten in that habit, right? And external silence is easier than internal silence. So I would go to prayer, and we'd be with the focus missionaries, and I was one of them. And, and what you all do is everybody kneels, and you know that you need to just stare at the tabernacle for about five minutes and just pretend like you know what you're doing, right? Fake it till you make it. And that's what I did. And you're just like, stare at the tabernacle, nothing's happening. And then after about five minutes, you get really bored and your mind's going a thousand directions and you're kind of like, you look for what everybody else does, right? Prayer's hard. We don't know what we're doing. It takes time. It takes perseverance. It takes a lot of effort. It is not cheap. Prayer is not cheap, right? It has to be earned by perseverance, by courage, by a battle in your life. My favorite story is when I was in seminary one time. We have this gorgeous chapel at the seminary. And a lot of times you're tired, right? So one of two things happens. You go to pray, and the first thing that happens is your mind races a thousand directions, right? You sit down, and you're like... I have four bills to pay. Like, um, why did that guy post that on social media? Why are Father Brian's sermons so long? What's, you know, when are my taxes due? I don't know. Your mind races. We all do that. People say to me, like, Father Brian, my, I'm not like other people. My mind races when I pray. I'm like, that's everybody. We all have that. That's the first thing. Or the second thing that happens is you get really tired and you get drowsy. One of the kids after Mass, at the last Mass, was like, Father Brian, I fell asleep in church. And I was like, I'm good at helping people do that. You know, it's, it works. But anyway, so I was in seminary and learning how to pray. And I was so tired, and that's what happened to me. So one time, I, uh, I fell asleep in the pew during a holy hour. And this is so awesome. I woke myself up because I started moaning in my sleep. So I was like in the pew, and you just heard this. <laughs> and it woke me up, and then my kneeler was down, and my body like had one of those like jerking reactions, and I kicked the kneeler, and it made this huge crash. And I had this awesome grace God gave me, because what happened was I was just immediately on it, and my first thought was, don't move. If you don't move... No one will know it was you. <laughs> and it totally worked. Like, everybody's walking out of the chapel, and they're like, do you guys hear that, like, moaning and that loud, loud crash? I'm like, yeah, that was so weird. Like, <laughs> anyway, fun stories, but prayer is just so important. And today's gospel and our first reading are all about this. And I want to give you some encouragement. St. Teresa of Avila is arguably the greatest mystic in the history of the church. Uh, she's a Reformation saint. She lived in Spain. And St. Teresa of Avila is, if you don't know her, you got to get to know her. She's like your feisty sister. She has a famous story where uh, she had this horrible day, and I think she fell off a horse, and she was sitting in this puddle, and like it was raining or something. 
And she looked at God and she said, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. <laughs> and I'm like, I love her. <laughs> and she's a doctor of the church and maybe the greatest mystic in the history of Christianity. Here's what she says about prayer. She says, very often over a period of several years, I was more occupied in wishing my holy hour of prayer were over and in listening whenever the clock struck than in thinking of things that were good. Right? You think, I can't pray. Father Brian, I get distracted. My mind goes a thousand directions. Guess what? The greatest mystic in the history of Christianity had the exact same struggle. Exact same one. And when she went to prayer, she didn't want to go. Her soul and her heart and her mind went a thousand directions, and it was hard for her. In another place, she says this. She says, those of you whose minds cannot reason for long or whose thoughts cannot dwell upon God but are constantly wandering must at all costs form this habit. Right? Here's what happens. You go into prayer and you say, okay, I'm going to meditate on Jesus' sufferings on the cross. And you're thinking about it for about 30 seconds. And then you remember something and your mind goes off track. That's all of us. And did you hear what St. Teresa of Avila says? If that's you and you have a hard time focusing, you must at all costs form that habit. Not you should give it a good try and see how it goes. You must at all costs form that habit. I, I know quite well that you are very capable of it. For many years, I endured this trial of being unable to concentrate on one subject. And a very sore trial it is. All of us have that struggle. Brothers and sisters, the call of Jesus Christ to you and me today is a call to prayer. And that means necessarily that you have to have a bit of mental discipline. You have to learn how to be silent. Part of that means being externally silent. When you drove to Mass today, what was going on in your car? I love Britney Spears too, right? You got to turn off the radio. If your life is crazy and you're, you're going a thousand miles a minute and you're doing all kinds of things and you're singing Britney Spears songs on the way to Mass, right? It's going to be, and you go to Mass and you say, how come I can't pray? How come I'm distracted? It should be obvious to you why you're distracted. If you have no silence in your life, if your entire life is filled with noise and distraction and all these worldly things, you will never learn how to pray. You have to make the tough choice to say, Lord, I love you enough that I'm going to tune out some of the noise. I've gotten to a place now, not 100% of the time, but most of the time now when I'm in my car, I put on Gregorian chant and I pray the rosary. And that helps me 
the next morning when I'm in silence in my holy hour. Because my soul is being trained in learning how to be quiet. You've got to do that, brothers and sisters. That is so important for your life as Christians. So prayer is hard, but you've got to do it. So how do, we, how do we dive into the gospel a little deeper today? Jesus, and here's the thing I want you to see, is that as you learn how to pray, brothers and sisters, it transforms you. When I was in seminary, another seminary story, the, one of the guys there, he prayed one time. It was a famous story in my class of guys. But he was like, you know what? I've been wrestling with God. And we were in, at lunch or something. And he said, I've been wrestling with God. And I finally decided I need to be open to him giving me a car. I know that happens at your workplace too, right? You're like, but, but he prayed for that. And he and we thought it was kind of strange, and he said, Lord, I'm open to receiving a car from you. That week, two cars were donated to him. That week. If you try that, it won't work. I promise. <laughs> it won't work for you. But here's what I want to, want to show you from that. One of the things that God wants to show us in today's gospel is that prayer transforms us. When you start to pray, your prayer is usually a little shallow. You say, God, would you make my life a little easier? And oftentimes, it's really good things. It could be really, really good things. You could say, Lord, my, my friend has cancer. Jesus, will you remove that cancer? That's a great prayer. We should pray for that. But what happens slowly with time is that prayer transforms your heart. The more you and I pray the more we start to think like Christ thinks. And in the Our Father, which you pray all the time and Jesus gives us today, there's an important thing there. Did you notice that the Our Father does not start by praying for our needs? Jesus teaches us that when we turn to God, our Father, we don't start by, this is a tough week, right? I need you to make this meeting go easier. Or my spouse is mad at me, and could you get them to kind of lighten up a little bit? It doesn't start there. Our Father who art in heaven, and the first thing we ask for is, hallowed be thy name. Right, so much of my life is such a temptation for me to worry about all the things I have. That's not bad. That's just human. That's normal. That's how we operate. But the Our Father teaches us that our first concern should be to take our minds off of ourselves and to turn to God. Hallowed be thy name. God, may your name be held in reverence. When, and the way that happens, right, is both in speech but it also happens when people see Christians and they live holy lives. The Old Testament, that's another homily, but the Old Testament is clear that God's name is made holy when you and I live righteousness. Right? Or you could put it conversely. When you see Christians who are living lives they shouldn't and they scandalize people, God's name is blasphemed. Because you bear the name of Christian. 
hallowed be thy name. And Lord, before I even get to my needs, right, thy kingdom come. Prayer transforms us. It, it changes our hearts. It moves us from being men and women who ask for good things, right, but are kind of centered around us, and it transforms our hearts to think the way Jesus Christ thinks. Right? Jesus in Gethsemane, that's, I always say Gethsemane is where Jesus prays the Our Father. When he's in Gethsemane, right, he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass, which is one of his needs. But what does he say right after that? Not my will, but your will be done. That's what prayer does for us. And finally, I want to show you this from our first reading. If you study the Old Testament, one of the things that's true about uh, Jews of the Old Testament is that you don't speak ill of your, your forefathers. So you can't say Abraham was a total jerk. You can't say that. But you can tell a story where he was a total jerk and kind of say, see? And so that, I advise that with your parents. You're like, don't, don't say your parents are jerks. Just show a story where they acted bad. Abraham was a man who had to learn what it meant to follow God. In today's reading, Abraham's, something amazing happens. But you got to know the whole story. Abraham screwed up big time, many different times. And at the beginning of Abraham's story in Genesis 12, Abraham, when he asks God for things, he's looking out for himself. In Genesis chapter 12, he and his wife Sarah go to Egypt. And it's, we're told that Sarah is this absolutely beautiful woman. And Abraham's scared because he says, you're so beautiful, the Egyptians are going to kill me so they can have you. And so he does the really manly thing and he says, tell them that I'm your brother. Right? Awful. Abraham does that twice. And he puts Sarah in this horrible position where she's kind of left to the mercy of these pagans. Terrible things. So Abraham's looking out for himself. Abraham's prayer at the beginning of his walking with God was, hey, take care of me. Get me out of here. Save my skin. And today in our first reading in Genesis 18, Abraham, I love this, Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. Do you do that? Right? As a good Christian who loves God, have you gotten to the point yet in your prayer where you're praying for those who are wicked? Right? When's the last time you prayed for someone who's doing something really evil? He said, God, spare them. The early fathers look at this passage of Genesis 18 today, and they say Christians are the ones who uphold the world. Because God says, if I find ten righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the whole city. If you and I live lives of righteousness, if we live holiness, if we live for God, Christians uphold the world.
So brothers and sisters, prayer is really hard. It's difficult. It's a battle. I've been trying to pray for something like 20 years. It's a fight, but you got to get in the fight. You got to do it. You'll be a better woman. You will be a better man for doing it. Every single day, you should have time with Jesus. It might be when you're in your car. It might be as you're just walking through the kitchen and getting things ready in the morning. I don't know. But you have to fight for that in your life. You need to have time for Christ so that he can transform your heart. Jesus, today, Lord, make us men and women of prayer. Not just people who try to do good things, but people whose hearts are united to you. Lord, we pray that you would transform our hearts. And Jesus, may we be like Abraham. Lord, may we not just pray for ourselves and for our own lives, but Jesus, today, here at Our Lady of Lords, Jesus, today, Lord, we pray for the wicked. We pray for those who are filled with hatred, those who do not love you, those who are under the reign of sin. Jesus, may you spare them.